shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Puck comes down high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... It is award season. Well, it's a... The awards show tonight for the National Hockey League. The five most important regular season awards will be given out today. Actually, right now. That starts on ESPN. And you'll want to keep an eye on who the winners and losers are for the Hart Trophy, the Vesna Trophy, the Norris Trophy, the Calder, and the Ted Lindsay Award. But I want to get into... Uh, an interesting idea, interesting topic on awards and whether or not the NHL should change the format as we go through the first hour of the NHL awards. We're also going to get to the play of the day. We've got the legal minute with Sam and Ash. That's coming up at 445. It's going to be an interesting topic. It's going to stay hockey central. And it should surprise no one that if it deals with legality and Sean Avery, uh, it's just a match made in heaven for hockey and legality. Then we've got uh, to get into the lightning. What they were able to do yesterday was sensational in absolutely waxing the Colorado Avalanche. Now there's questions abound for Colorado going into game number four, specifically who will start in goal for the Avalanche. And then we've got some of your questions. Mailbag to get to in our number two, talking about rivalries and talking about the playoffs as a whole and if they've been disappointed pointing yeah they've been exciting yeah we've seen a lot of goals but on the whole from an entertainment standpoint from a game by game standpoint have the playoffs been a little substandard plus we've got one timers and of course catching up with chapman so let's start off with the nhl awards chris chapman it's a bit of a different format obviously that it's not here in vegas which is a departure from what we've seen over the last couple of years certainly the last five to six years but it's it's a little bit different in that it's happening during the stanley cup final uh, what are your opinions thoughts on just awards in general when it comes to professional sports i like it um i i, I think we need more of it like the nfl and the nba they don't really televise like especially the nba like uh, they don't really have an awards set up like the nhl like they have an mvp but like they don't really have like like their 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 version of the Art Ross or or their version of the 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 Vezina or or I mean I don't know how you would award something like a Vezina trophy in the NBA but you know maybe best defensive player um 
but I, I like it. I like guys being rewarded for having outstanding seasons. I think we need more of it in sports. Um, like I said, I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching guys get recognized for their outstanding achievements in, in the game. And I, I, I think the NHL does it right. Like it's, I, I know a lot of people knock the NHL for a lot of things, but this is something that they do right. And putting it on television, I think, is great. Having it on ESPN is is good. Um, and and I think the way the NHL gets it right is they incorporate a lot of a lot of pop culture into the awards. Right, Keenan Thompson hosting it again. Um, the, the the few years that that you and I were there, there were some some celebs. I mean, I got to interview Miss Universe. One time, which was which was pretty incredible. I mean, here I am proposing to Miss Universe on the floor of on the uh, the carpet in the. Uh, I, I don't remember if it was at the Hard Rock <laughs> that year or if it was at Mandalay. I can't remember where it was, but uh, yeah, I, I I jokingly proposed to Miss Universe. She said no, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm shocked it, by it, that. yeah, I mean, I got to interview Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, from when I was a kid. So. Uh, what, the Indy 500 winner, Simon Pagano, was there once. So it, it, it's cool the way the NHL does it. I like the incorporation of of pop culture, celebrities into the award show. Um, and, and it gets to show a little bit of the guy's personalities. Like, I think we'll all remember the, the speech that Carey Price gave a couple of years ago. Uh, we'll all remember the, the, the Robin Leonard speech. I thought it, the year Kopitar won, um, I can't remember what, what award it was, but his, his uh, media availability was, was really, really impassioned and really incredible. So it, it, it's a cool thing. I, I, I wish it was in Vegas again. I wish we, we could do like we did a couple of years ago, but I, 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 I like it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I generally like awards. I don't generally like award shows. I, there's some thing in me that just, they, they always they're always clunky. They're always trying to go for the low-hanging fruit when it comes to jokes, which is why it'll be interesting to see how Keenan Thompson does as the MC today for the NHL awards. But like to me, I don't necessarily need the pomp and circumstance. Like I get it; it's a celebration at the end of the of the season. I I'm I'm on board with having fun. I know that the the idea of me on this program is that I don't really like fun. I'm all about chaos, and that is true to a degree. If you want to have fun, if you want to have an award show, fine. But I don't generally gravitate towards them. I just want to know who won, who lost. I want to know what the the differentiation points are between certain players winning certain awards. I don't really care about jokes. I don't really care about the 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 made-for-TV nature of the NHL awards show as a whole. I much more care about who won, who lost, how can I analyze that as in-depth as I possibly can. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm I with you to a point. Like, I don't really watch the, the, the Oscars or the Academy Awards because I feel like that's always, A, there's always going to be a lot of hate thrown at it because it's Hollywood. A lot of people have, have their, their opinions on Hollywood and they don't really care. And, and I'm, I, you know, I don't watch it because I generally don't see a lot of the movies that are nominated because they're always like these kind of weird artsy films. Like if you, you, you see the, the shows that are up or the movies that are up for, for movie of the year, like it's not movies that people go to the movies and have fun watching. It's always like some sad story, uh, you know, or, or something sappy or something political. And, and I think we, we kind of like to escape from that sort of stuff when we go to the movies, right? Like 
I love all the all the Avenger movies. None of them won an Academy Award for best film, despite the fact that they were some of them were the highest drawing films of of the year. Uh, I do like the the Grammy Awards because I like to watch the performances. I like music. I enjoy it, and you kind of know what you're getting with with the Grammys. Um, but I I I do enjoy watching the players have have a little fun and the the, the pomp and circumstance, as you said. I, I, I like to watch the players unwind a little bit and be themselves because we don't really get to see it a lot. Now, are they, though? Like, you and I have both been on the red carpet for NHL Awards in the past, and there have been moments where I think players have let their guard down a little bit. They've opened up a little bit. but Sidney Crosby still turned back National and looked Hockey at you League. one time? <laughs> yeah, it was nice. You know, I, it was... No, I'll tell you, honestly, honestly, I'm going to tell you the, the best... The best red carpet moment that I had at the NHL Awards was Drew Doughty. Have, have I told you the story about Drew Doughty and actually uh, keeping good they on his word in a moment where I truly didn't believe Drew Doughty was going to keep his word? So this was before the Vegas Golden Knights came into existence. It was an NHL Awards show here in Las Vegas, I was working not necessarily on the air, though I did do a couple of things, a couple of guest spots here and there on the air for the award show. But part of why I was working that particular event is because I knew who the hockey players were without them having to wear jerseys. Like the 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 the, the, the selling point for me was he knows who these guys are, so he'll be able to wrangle up as many interviews as possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I end up on the on the red carpet and and it's cool the way that it's set up because we've got a table and and the guys are walking down the red carpet and it's a hard right turn right in front of the table to get into the venue and so i see drew dowdy walking up and i go over to drew and i'm like hey can we get you on the radio show it's a local radio show here in las vegas we're out here promoting the award show can i get you on for i don't know five minutes he's like yeah, that's cool, but I need to come back because my girlfriend went inside and I just don't know where she went to. And I'm like, okay, not a big deal. Fully expecting Drew Doughty to walk in and just be in the venue and not come back. Well, much to my surprise, about six, seven minutes later, Drew walks back up, taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, when do you want me? And I was, I was stunned, Chapman. I was stunned. I could not believe that he actually came back to the table and did the radio interview. And it was in that moment I actually got to do my first interview with Drew Doughty that I've ever done in my career. It was awesome. Truly, truly awesome. Because I did not think in that moment when he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come right back. I, I got to go inside. Not a chance in the world he was coming back. <laughs> and yet he did. It was awesome. It was the coolest thing. That's that's a really cool story, uh, um, you know, because generally we've all had that moment where we're where, where trying to interview someone and they're like, yeah, give me a minute. And y y you never get it. Like, I, I, I know I, I've been burned by that in the past. Doesn't matter the sport. Uh, there was a former baseball player who called Las Vegas home who gave me his cell phone number and was like, hey, hey, you know, whenever you guys want me on, get me. And I'm like, OK, so I text the guy and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll come on. And then the day it came to the interview. He, he, he ghosted me. So I texted him after the show. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know what happened? He's like, Oh, I forgot. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll come on another time. Okay. Same thing. Ghosted me. I'm like this guy. So like we, we've all been there. 
um, in this business. But that's a really cool story, and and it kind of makes me not that I don't like Drew Daddy, but it kind of makes me like him a little bit more. Like because I I, I think a guy who who <laughs> sticks to his word, especially something like that, because it would have been very easily for him to be like, I don't want to do this. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm gonna go mm-hmm. sit down. I'm gonna yeah. uh, I'm gonna sit next to my wife or my girlfriend and, and have a conversation with her. But yeah, it, yeah. It, it's cool. But uh, it was it was fantastic moment for sure. And and again, like to to your point, they're having more fun for sure. There there are guys that are are taking advantage of and, and enjoying the process of the NHL awards. For me though, it, like it, I'm just not there. Like I just want to know who won which awards. And we've got our first winner of the night, Chris Chapman. Are you ready to find out who won the 2021-22 Vezina Trophy? Are well, you I, ready? I know because I'm staring at him giving a speech on uh, on television. But yes, I'm ready. Don't, don't I'm ready. ruin it. I, I'm don't ready. ruin it for everybody. It? Who is it? I, I'm is it operating. Soros? I'm no, no, no. Oh. I'm operating under the assumption, honestly, that that people are only listening to us and not watching the okay. NHL so, awards. So, so, so that's who were who were our nominees for this? Nominees for the Vesna: Igor Shesterkin, Jacob Markstrom, and UC Soros. The winner of the 2021-22 Vezina Trophy is Igor Shesterkin. He received 32 votes, 29 first place, 3 second place, 0 third place. And the only other goaltenders, and this is kind of ridiculous, but it is what it is, the only other goaltenders that received first place votes for the Vesna, Frederick Anderson in Carolina, Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa, and Ilya Sorokin in the New- for the New York Islanders. It was an absolute runaway victory for Shesterkin, 154 points. Jacob Markstrom, the runner-up, had 53. Yeah, that I'm, I don't think either of us are surprised that Shesterkin won. Uh, I'm not surprised that he won going away. He was clearly the best goalie in the league this year. Uh, clearly a deserved winner, so certainly a a a a good moment for him, and hopefully something that the uh, New York Rangers can build off of. So I saw something today, Chapman, that made me think about this idea, this concept about the NHL awards, and whether or not they should include the playoffs. So when you look at the end of season awards, it's a regular season award. You start to or try to parse your list down of MVP for most outstanding player, best defenseman, best defensive forward, all of those things over the course of an 82-game sample size. But the question is, should that change in the NHL? Should you open up end-of-season awards to go through and run through the playoffs? On on a basic level, where are you at with that? No, it should not include the playoffs. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I... I, I have a hard time with this, and, and I'll tell you why. Like, hypothetically, you have a player who is, uh-huh. I think, the regular season Hart Trophy winner. Like, I have I have a guy in my mind who I think should win the Hart. I think you and sure. I are probably on the same page here. Mm-hmm. If his team gets knocked out in the first round, and the guy who probably shouldn't win the Hart Trophy, his team goes into the second round... Do we automatically throw out the guy who who had the better regular season over the course of 82 games? Like, I understand Connor McDavid's postseason was better than Austin Matthews' postseason, but his team made the third round. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews' team lost 
to a team that is now in the cup final. Granted, so, so did so did Connor McDavid's team, but they lost sure. a little further along the road. It's not fair to Austin Matthews that he got stuck playing Tampa in the first round and mm-hmm. Connor McDavid was lucky enough to play LA and Calgary in the sec in, in the first and second round. The other the other aspect of it is this. Hypothetically, UC Soros, who who finished third for the Vezina Trophy, Nashville barely made the playoffs. Like they they yeah. were they were a fringe team the whole way, and they 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 found the way to get in the last couple weeks or last couple days of the season. If he doesn't make the playoffs, that's not his fault, despite the fact that he had a phenomenal season. But but so. You're, I want I want to go back to your idea or your thought process on the Hart Trophy because I think that's where uh, you can see the clear ideology of why you would want to include the playoffs and also why you wouldn't want to include the playoffs. Like, I think you can make the argument that over an 82-game sample size, Austin Matthews had the better season, the more MVP-worthy season than Connor McDavid, right? It was a step down, even though it was a career high for Connor McDavid, it was a step down in his overall production on a game-by-game basis this season. Yes, he was better than everybody else. Yes, he racks up a ton of points, but I don't think that his 82-game regular season was that dominant or was that remarkable. Not for Connor McDavid, not when you factor in his standards, but when you Look at what Austin Matthews did in the regular season. You're not going to see many people do what he did, and I get it. It's not 50 goals in 50 games because it didn't happen in the first 50 games, even though he scored 50 goals in a 50-game span. No one's going to do that again. No one's going to do that again. At the height of his power, Alex Ovechkin couldn't even do that, right? So the, the writing is on the wall that over 82 games, Austin Matthews, in my opinion, had the best season, the MVP caliber season of any of the finalists in that category. It's Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and Igor Shesterkin up for the Hart Trophy. Now, if you expand it to take into account what happens in the playoffs, then all of a sudden, what Connor McDavid did in the first two rounds of the playoffs blows anything and everything that Austin Matthews did in seven games against Tampa Bay out of the water. If you take that entire sample size, you change the entire landscape of what that award becomes and how you view it and how you see it, and it's running away, Connor McDavid, because it's not even close. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll counter that by, by saying that when we look at a player's career and when Austin Matthews hangs it up, when Connor McDavid hangs it up, What's not included in their career totals? Their playoff stats. Sure. So yeah. so how many more goals would Wayne Gretzky have if we included his his playoff games? Why are they not included? I would imagine probably because it's not an even slate for everybody. <laughs> so yeah. we, we, we throw those out. Yeah, a guy can win a Conn Smythe, which is basically a playoff MVP. It's, it's the, the playoff version of the Hart Trophy. But generally, yeah. in order to win that, you need to be the most valuable player, i.e. the guy who carries your team to the Stanley Cup. There are obviously have been rare occasions where player has not won the Stanley Cup, but has won the the Conn Smythe, uh, J.S. Jaguar being one that jumps out at me. 
Um, so so I, I I don't think that it's fair to include playoff. Like, a perfect example. So Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets had a phenomenal season. He had uh, 40, what do you have, 40, 47 goals, 46 assists. Mm-hmm. If he somehow has, I don't know, eight more goals and he has maybe 10, 12 more assists, but his team doesn't make the playoffs, are we going to disqualify him from being in consideration for the Hart Trophy? I I just think it's it's kind of difficult to to include uh, postseason stats when not every player has the same opportunity to play in the postseason. It's not standardized, and I think that's kind of the biggest determining factor in why it's not right. Like you can vote on the Conn Smythe, you can you can select a an MVP of the entire playoff run because you can standardize that. You have to be among the best players or uh, uh, you must be one of the best players or the most valuable player on the team that more or less wins the Stanley Cup. Like you can get to that point, but if you're if you're trying to extend a regular season award to the playoffs and you've got a player that plays four games and is swept because his goaltender can't make a save, then it reflects poorly on him through no fault of his own. And so I, in that regard, like I agree with you in that you can't standardize it, right? You you can't weight it accordingly and unfortunately for Connor McDavid he should have to my to my opinion he should have done a little bit more in 82 games and I get that he was probably pacing himself and I know that this is an unpopular take when it comes to McDavid because frankly I just don't think he was that dynamic and I don't think he was that good and I don't think that he played to the level that we expect Connor McDavid to play when you score 106 points in 56 games that's what I'm expecting. That's your baseline. And in order for you to continue to move in the right direction, you have to be better than that baseline every single season, every single year. And that's the standard that we hold Connor McDavid to because he's earned that standard. Like, I don't understand this idea that we're holding him to this unrealistic standard when he's the guy that went out there and did it. Like, we held Wayne Gretzky to his own standard. We held Sidney Crosby to his old his own standard. And it's not a it's not unfair to hold these gifted exceptional players, these elite generational players, to standards that are above everyone else in the league. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that take. And I think I think the case could be made. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but I think there there probably are people who feel that Dreisaitl is every bit as important to the Edmonton Oilers as, as Connor McDavid. Maybe not better, but I mean, I think I think there's certainly people who may say, hey, without Dreisaitl, McDavid is not a 123-point guy, especially when you look at their power play numbers because Dreisaitl had 24 power play goals to McDavid's 10. Now, I understand yeah. McDavid's facilitating a lot of that offense through Dreisaitl, but still, that's, that's, that's still... You know, th- he's got double the power play goals that, that Connor McDavid has. So I think that kind of hurts McDavid a little bit. Again, I don't know if I subscribe to that because I still think no matter who McDavid's with, he's having the the, the type of season and the putting up similar numbers to what he's doing because he's just that damn good. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I am on board with the idea that when you are the quote-unquote best player in the world, you are held, whether right or wrong, to a much higher standard. And I, I, I think that 
there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I feel like, you know, when we look at guys who maybe weren't finalists for the Hart Trophy, well, why wasn't Chris Kreider a finalist? Why wasn't Johnny Goudreau a finalist? Those guys had phenomenal seasons. I mean, Chris Kreider scored, what, 50 goals? So I, I, I feel like when guys have exceptional seasons that are out of the norm, sometimes we don't mm-hmm. put them in either. So I, I, I just am on board with when you, when you are the very best player in the world, you are going to be held to a higher standard because that's what people have come to expect from Connor McDavid. They expect him to have nearly 110 assists. You know, it's like it's yeah. like we 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 yeah. expect that. We expect him to have a, a a season that was better than his last season, right? That's part of let the- me let, let let me let me put it in let me put it in terms that I, I think we can all agree on, right? We we talked about hot takes going into the season, right? We talked about what our, our biggest hot takes were. And Darren Millard, who's on vacation right now, he came with the idea that Connor McDavid was going to win the scoring title on assists alone. Meaning that if you took away all the goals Connor McDavid scored, his assists alone, alone, would win him the scoring title. That, that didn't happen yeah. this year. And that that's the idea, right? Like That's what you were expecting out of Connor McDavid this year. And it didn't come to be by well, that he, definition. He didn't even lead it's, the league in assists. That's that's my point, right? So like when you're when you're when you're heralding a player and you're putting him on this pedestal as the greatest player in the world, and that's where your ideas go about what you're expecting out of this season, and he falls well short, and I get it. His Connor McDavid's expectations for himself and his team and and his numbers are not what, say, Darren Millard's are. But when you're looking at it and you're trying to determine where his season ranks and that's what you went into it believing, thinking, and it's not that it didn't happen because Connor was injured. It's not that it didn't happen because he decided to score a ton of goals. It just didn't happen because he didn't have the kind of year everyone expected him to have. Therefore, in my opinion, he did not have an MVP caliber year. Yeah. Uh, when when you have that take that, that Darren didn't have, I, I, I think there's a certain expectation level. And he wasn't the leading player in assists. He didn't lead the league in goals. In fact, he was, he was what, five or six, I think, on the list in terms of goals. He was the number one point producer on the season but he only finished eight points ahead of Huberto and Goudreau so it's not like he he totally ran away with that either so whether right or wrong and and I'm going to stick to this point I think when Michael Jordan was playing we we held Michael Jordan to a different standard than every other player in the NBA with Tom Brady we hold Tom Brady to a much higher standard because he's got the rings because he is the greatest of all time. He's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, as much as I, I feel like I just punch myself in the face when I say it. But he <laughs> he, he, he is who he is. And yeah. if Tom Brady doesn't have a season in which he lives up to his expectations and our expectations, Tom mm-hmm. Brady doesn't win a Super Bowl. He doesn't win the, the these postseason awards. It doesn't change the fact that he's still the best player. But with an MVP award... I think there's a little more that goes into it than the best player. And and like I said, I, 
I still, if I had a vote, it would have been for Johnny Goudreau. He's obviously yeah. not a finalist. I think when you, when you look at the season, Austin Matthews had impressive 60 goals, 50 goals in 50 games. I don't care what order the 50 games came in. Like, to me, it doesn't matter if it was over the course of two seasons. It's still 50 goals in 50 games, and it's phenomenal. So I I, I think despite the fact that that maybe as far as the the, the, the Hart Trophy, I, I don't know how you could argue that Connor McDavid was more valuable to his team this year than Austin Matthews was to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I just I don't think that you can. But we do have more news and more uh, updates to pull from the NHL awards. We've got another award handed out. It's the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. The winner, Chris Chapman, Moritz Sider from the Detroit Red Wings, 1,853 points, 170 first place votes for Moritz Sider. Coming in second was Trevor Zegris with 15 first place votes, <laughs> votes 100 second place votes. Uh, I mean, Trevor Zegris, he showed well, but he was about 700 points behind Moritz Sider. So running away, Moritz Sider not just the the Calder winner, but I would say a a landslide victory for Sider and the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, fifty points from a defenseman, a rookie defenseman at that. Uh, seven goals, forty three assists. His point shares are pretty good on a team that really wasn't that good. They improved, mm-hmm. but yeah. they're they're still a bit away. This is no, a guy bad. who who when we got to when we got to watch them play, I I was so excited to see him and Lucas Raymond out there. I think yeah. I think the future yeah. is really bright in Detroit. Obviously, they have the the guy who they believe running the ship who will lead them to great things. This is a really good foundation. I think it's a des- again. This is a guy who, when you look at his numbers, mind blowing yeah. for a rookie to have. 50, He's ridiculous. Yeah, fifty points on a bad team. Yeah, it, it, it it's really cool. It's it's a cool award yeah, so- and, and and a much deserved. Did uh did Stutzla didn't win it last year? Did he? I'm trying to think if Germans were oh, back, back, back to back. I don't. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. But um. you know, it's for me. For me, with Cider, he's he's got the point production, sure, but he's he's a, no. A no. Kid by the way, Stutzla did not win. Like it. he, who was it? Uh let me see. What was that? 2021. <laughs> you just know he didn't win it, but you don't know the winner. It's yeah, I I, uh, I I looked it up, but. Uh, on on Sider for me, it's it's physicality. It's the fact that he oh, plays Kaprizov in all different situations. Yeah, <laughs> well, that makes sense. It was a landslide too. Um, Sider's going to be a problem for a lot of teams for a lot of years as a number one defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings. Like he is the version for Detroit of Victor Hedman that they need to build around. So it'll be interesting. Uh, a couple of gripes for me on the Calder Trophy voting: Alex Nedeljkovic got a vote. Yes, it was a one-fifth place vote, but in what world do you put Alex Nedeljkovic on a list of best rookies this season? He was <laughs> not good. Not good at all. It, it kind of blows my mind, but not as much as Cole Caulfield. Like, listen, I know that Cole Caulfield came on in the back half of the year, and, like, recency bias is a real thing, but come on. Like, come, come on. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand that. Like like I could understand voting for Zegras. Obviously, yeah. I, I if I had a vote, it would have been for Cider. Uh but I, I understand voting for Zegras. What he did in, in this season and the way he was able to 
create some highlight real stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe create some new fans in the process. I, I understand that. But outside, who who was the third? I can't remember who who was the third uh, nominee for yeah, it was Michael Bunting. Okay, who's like twenty six, yeah. right? So yeah, I uh, <laughs> he's he's still a rookie. I, I understand that, but but when it comes to the NHL, and and I I swore he played a lot more games last year than he than he actually did. Because um, I know he was with the Coyotes last year, but he, yeah, he qualifies. Still a rookie. He's not on the same level as as these two guys, Zegras and and, and Cider. Uh, had some good numbers, but playing on a Maple Leafs team that puts up a lot of points is is certainly mm. going to help. So I'm totally fine with with the winner, a Cider. Yeah, Nedeljkovic. That that's kind of comical. It's like, what are you doing? Why would you? Yeah. That's like Freddie Anderson getting a first place vote for for Vezina. At least that has a little bit more. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, no, it's it's like Andre, it's like Andre Vasilevsky getting a first place vote for the Vesna. He he did not. He no. Come yeah. on, like let's let's stop what we're doing here. All right, let's take a break. I know we're running long. Uh, we want to get to the play of the day next before we get to the the legal minute with Sam and Ash. So we've still got a lot more to get to here in hour number one. More awards show reactions plus some talk on the Tampa Bay Lightning. But coming up next, it's the VGK Insider Play of the Day. No chance to shoot for Stevenson, centered, Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. It's hard to argue that this goal from Anthony Sorelli was the spark plug that ignited the Tampa Bay Lightning in getting back in the series and winning that game yesterday, 6-2. Here comes Sorelli, across the line, and Maroon, left circle, Sorelli, knifing in front, score! Sorelli! What a big goal for the Lightning! The effort by Sorelli right there was really something. Picks it up with his skates, kicks it, and Sorelli just kicks it with his right skate to his left, to his skate, uh, stick, comes in, and it just slides in. Listen, Anthony Sorelli did not mean to make that move. In fact, it wasn't a move at all. He was trying to cut to the front of the net, lost the puck, but fortunately for Anthony Sorelli and for the Tampa Bay Lightning, it slides under Darcy Kemper. That tied the game at one, gave Tampa a little bit of momentum, and they were able to ride that wave. So good on Anthony Sorelli. Good things tend to happen for the Tampa Bay Lightning when he scores. It was a broken play. It was a bad goal, among other bad goals that Darcy Kemper would give up in that game, and we're going to chat a little bit later on in hour number two about the goaltending decision-making that needs to happen for the Colorado Avalanche in order to not allow this series to slip away. But before we get there, Chapman, I just want to ask you, were you at all surprised at what Tampa was able to do last night against Colorado? No, no, because they they are a champion, and champions don't lay down and and quit. They get up off the mat, and they fight back. And I'm I'm not surprised in the least that they were able to, to, to get back last night I, I, I didn't expect a final score on par with, with what it was. I, I figured it would be a much closer game. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm not shocked that the Lightning were able to do what they did last night. And, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again tomorrow. I mean, this is who they are. They are a great team. They have a great coach. They have a lot of true champions in that locker room. So, so no, it's, it's not surprising. Um, what's going to be interesting is if they win tomorrow night. Then... then like, like, what's the old the old adage? You, you don't have a series until someone wins on the road. 
Well, that may yep. not necessarily need to be the case because Colorado could hold serve at home and win the series. But if they're able to win tomorrow, all of a sudden things get real interesting. And if Tampa wins tomorrow, things get very, very interesting as well. Yeah, I'm not sure which direction I'm leaning more toward wanting to see. I know you and I have that that hypothetical bet at 3-1, to one, so I, I really feel like I want to get there in that series. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I think that there's a lot of pressure on one team more than the other when it comes to Game 4, and it's maybe not the team that you're thinking of in this series. So we're back next with the Legal Minute. We'll talk to Sam and Ash about Sean Avery and Scooters. Yeah, that's right. Sean Avery and Scooters. That's coming up next on the VGK Insider Show. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. It's Legal Minute with Sam and Ash Injury Law. SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. We're joined now by Ash. Hey, Ash, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Ryan? You know, I'm doing well, and, and a large part of that is due to the fact that the NHL awards are tonight. We've had a couple of awards already given out. Like, what's what's your stance? What's your take on uh, awards? Not so much the, the NHL awards, but just award season, like the Oscars, that kind of stuff. Do you pay super close attention to award shows, or can you just kind of take and leave uh, award shows in general? Oh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, during COVID, when everyone was sitting at home, the last thing I wanted to watch was these award shows. Um, but, yeah. you know, honestly, I I like watching award shows where the best of the best in their industry ha- are getting recognized for what they're doing. And it's important mm-hmm. that we do it. And so I'm I'm all for it. I just like when people and their acceptance speeches are very quick and to the point. That's critical. Yeah, quick and to what the about point you? for sure. No, I, I'm with you. Like, quick and to the point acceptance speeches. And, like, to me, the low-hanging fruit jokes, like, that's always where I, I get turned <laughs> off from awards. Um, it, it Certainly, it can be explosive, and it can lead to some some type of, of altercations, as we've seen earlier this year. But hopefully, none of that happens at the NHL Awards tonight uh, as, as more awards are, are kind of trickling out over the course of this hour. But I, I do want to get to the topic of the day because it, it does bridge the gap between uh, legality and the NHL. NHL, which is is rare to to find at times, but uh, former NHL star Sean Avery has been convicted of attempted criminal mischief. So before we get into the story, like what is criminal mischief? Can you give me a definition for this? (laughs) Yeah, so actually criminal mischief sounds much more interesting than it actually is. Uh, It is just Uh, an incident where someone commits a crime against property. You damage someone's property either intentionally or recklessly. So it's, it sounds a lot more interesting than it actually is. It's just like if you were to knock over someone's mailbox or etch your name into a table, that's criminal mischief. So Sean Avery has been found guilty of the misdemeanor charge on Thursday after a short trial. It stems from an incident that happened in 2019 where uh, Avery claims he was in a bike lane and he ended up hitting uh, the 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 vehicle in question. The, the man that, that drove the vehicle said that it was more road rage, that type of thing, in which he, he slammed his scooter into the door. So, you know, just by virtue of the fact that, that Sean Avery was found guilty, like it gives you a pretty clear indication of, of maybe where that guilt actually does. No. 
I mean, the, the saddest part about this story is uh, this is what New York is prosecuting. Uh, when there's actual mm-hmm. legitimate violent crimes going on day in and day out on those streets. But the other surprising thing is, I look, I was just in New York a few weeks ago, and I was shocked at how close these bikes and vehicles get and how I didn't see as many accidents or incidents where they were hitting each other as I expected. And add in yeah. Sean Avery's temper that we all know about. <laughs> I'm surprised this is the first time we're hearing of this. So you bring up an interesting point because, like, we if you if you pay attention to hockey or if you know Sean Avery the character, like, does does the fact that he has been known to have kind of that short fuse does it work against him in in these trials? Like, how, or you know, when it comes to to kind of the, these character issues or character flaws, can they can they kind of bleed into that legal process? Well, of course. I mean, when you're presenting a case, criminal or civil, to a jury, credibility is one of those things. And so jurors will take yeah. that into account. Here, it was a bench trial, meaning the case was tried between the prosecution and defense to just a judge. So there was no jury involved. But look, judges are humans. They have their own biases. But this is a pretty clear-cut case. Avery used his scooter, created property damage, and the prosecutor didn't have much difficulty proving that. So not much here goes into that, but where it would come into play is sentencing. If, you know, if he had caused injury to another person or much more damage to the vehicle than what was reported, yeah, the judge is going to look at his prior conduct, his anger issues, his aggravating factors when they're determining what his punishment should be. So absolutely, that stuff comes into play. Now, it is interesting because you mentioned injury. There there was, uh, at least in terms of the complaint, a four-year-old that was in the vehicle at the time of the altercation and that, you know, if that, if that child was injured, like how would that have changed the parameters of the case? Yeah, so uh, luckily there were no injuries, and if the child or any of the other passengers or driver in the vehicle were injured, it's now not criminal mischief, because it's not just a property damage crime, it's assault. Mm. And so that becomes really a felony assault, because it resulted in injury, and so you're looking at a, a couple grand and a fine, and significant jail time. But again, we got to remember, this is all happening in New York, so I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't prosecute it. Yeah. Now, you, you kind of mentioned the the idea of bicycles and bike lanes and, and vehicles sharing the road in New York. And, you know, just in terms of, of the rules right now on the road for bicycle, bicyclists and, and, you know, does, does more need to happen, more need to change uh, to protect cyclists and bike lanes in, you know, major cities? Absolutely. we got to make sure, one, that bike lanes are clean and clear for people that are riding in them. Bicyclists need to also know the rules of the road. They need to know how to get along with pedestrians and vehicles. But absolutely, vehicles need to be aware of bicyclists, pedestrians, etc. And more importantly, now more than ever, with these electric bikes that are going almost 30 miles an hour in a bike lane, that's different. That's a whole nother risk. That's something new that we have to gauge as drivers. So I I anticipate seeing cities and counties making new laws to accommodate for this factor. 
And it wasn't just, you know, kind of the, the incident, but it, there was a degree of, of anger, road rage kind of thrown about in terms of verbiage with this one. Now, are you seeing an uptick in road rage cases right now in, in the country? Or, or just, it, it just, it feels to me like when there's injury with, with car accidents, more often than not now, it feels like it's, it's attached to road rage. Yeah, you know, we read a lot about this early on in the year and maybe a little bit later in 2021. Remember when the pandemic, all the restrictions were lifted and it was like everyone go. A lot of people weren't used to having other people on the roadway or getting along with other uh, their fellow drivers. So, yeah, we read a lot about it. And it's really, really dangerous. Don't get involved in any type of road rage. We see so much um, about high injuries, violence, shootings, et cetera. You never know what's going on in that other vehicle. It's not worth it. Getting over, changing lanes, making that exit, just miss it. Get the next exit, be five minutes late, but be safe. That's the critical thing. So, guys, just when you're on the road, be safe and keep a cool head because it's not worth it. And if you are involved in any type of incident, the best thing to do is to give Sam and Ash a call, <laughs> 702-820-1234. They are our lawyers. We trust them with everything that we need as far as litigation goes. Uh, they're, they're honest, they care, and you deserve what's right. Hey, Ash, thanks so much for jumping on here and doing this. We really appreciate it, and we will chat with you again next week. Always fun, Ryan, and glad to hear that you're out of your uh, birthday cake coma. I'm sure that happened. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, it was a, a double chocolate uh, cake, and I think I ate all of it in one day. So, like, I, 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 am, I am absolutely the worst when it comes to sweets, especially cake, but I am doing much better. Thanks for checking in on that. <laughs> I love it. Have a good one. Great stuff. This that is, is Ash from legal. Sam and... Sam and Ash Injury Law, SamandAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.